0: Welcome to the Bards FM Podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to The Resistance Chicks, Part 1. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and it is Thursday, April 28th in the year 2022. And tonight we've got a great interview, part one of two, with the Resistance Chicks and we're going to just talk about sustainability, and we're going to talk about gardening and urban homesteading and homesteading in general, and we're going to talk about God. And I don't think there's better topics than that right now. So before we begin all this, make sure you're getting your good night's sleep. It's essential. That good night's sleep gets, comes to you by having great products to sleep on and super comfortable sheets and pillows like the Giza cotton sheets from My Pillow, and like the Pillow Classic. All of which are on sale. 60% off on the Giza Cotton Sheets right now. And the MyPillow Classic is down to as low as 1998. So if you head on over to mypillow.com and use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, just like the show, just like the station, pretty clear. And you can use that anywhere on the Frank Speech site. You can use that on the My Store site. You can use that on the MyPillow site, anywhere and everywhere. And you're going to get all sorts of fantastic savings. Those things I mentioned, and many, many more, like mattress toppers, mattresses, 50% off on men's and women's sleepwear, 50% off on my slippers, all the great things you need for a great night's sleep, and many other things, like even the six-piece towel set. Fantastic. And they're so good and comfortable. So head on over to MyPillow.com. If you go to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, you're going to go to the Bards landing page, and you won't be sorry, because that's for Bards Nation. That's where all the featured specials are. And use that promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. And if you want to speak to a Patriot pillow counselor, they're going to get you hooked up. Call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, and you are going to get hooked up with the best sleep gear you can possibly imagine. Again, MyPillow.com, promo code BARDS. Well, Patriots, it's yet another stupid day in the news, but we're not going to focus on the news today because essentially— There's just a bunch of goobers out here. I I will read this, though. This is a fantastic post. I just love this one. It kind of sums everything up. It says, Elon Musk is basically DARPA. His mom is satanic. His mother of his children is satanic. His boring company digs tunnels for the deep state. He wants to put chips in your head, truck drivers out of a job, has had close relationships with Ghislaine Maxwell, and supports satanic Ukraine. But all the Fooking Goobies, fuking, <laughs> are championing him like he's some savior. And you call yourselves Anons and Red Pills, but you're, you're as blue as the hair of your gender-confused neighbor. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. That was enough of that. There you go. That kind of sets the tone for everything. Red-haired Goober neighbors, whatever they are. Awesome. All right, Patriots. So we're going to have a great show tonight, Resistance Chicks. We just had a fantastic conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. We're just going to touch all things important in life, which are sowing seeds, both physically and spiritually, and that's the way we go. Now, as you also know, before we begin tonight, I've said we're going to be elevating up the importance of supporting farms. That's going to be a mission now as we go forward. And that first farm that we're supporting, which the link is below, and I'm just, they're raising money right now for a, a payment that's part of getting their farm into their own holding and into a sovereign land. And that's Helios Farms. And so you can, if you're interested in supporting that, donating to that, you can click on the link below the podcast, Helios, or just go to Helios Farms, H-E-L-I-O-S, Helios, I guess that's right, I got it wrong, or something, Helios Farms, spell it, sound it out, I'm going too fast. Helios Farms, head on over there, check it out, and then you can support their efforts, they're fantastic, and they're part of a growing number of farms that are really building health autonomy and farming autonomy the crisis in the farming industry is very real it's it's extremely real right now they are not playing around and trying to screw everything up and in that process we are literally heading into a crisis I'm going to see if this is the clip I think it is hang on a second if this is the clip I recorded earlier on this hang on
1: the basis of everything or am yeah, I missing listen something?
0: to this
2: no, I don't think you're missing anything at all. I think this administration has made it very clear that the Green New Deal and climate change and billions of dollars running through Washington, D.C. is their agenda, and they could care less about the American people, our food supply, and our food security. I've always said, no farms, no food, no future.
1: Well, that's exactly I mean, by definition, it's a biological fact. Maybe that's why they're ignoring it. They don't like biological facts. Are, are you worried?
2: As a dairy farmer, I am. We've seen 45,000 dairy farms go out since 2003. I'm worried for my beef farmers, the processing plants, how four major packers are depending on the price. I'm worried about pretty much all of agriculture. What is our future looking like? And how are Americans going to rally around our agriculture communities? We must support our local agriculture, and we cannot let regulations kill off our food supply.
0: And they will kill it off if they have a choice because they want you to know what this word means. They want you to live what this next word means. And what is that word? Famine. And I'll be damned if it's going to happen to my family or this nation of Bard's great people. So Helios Farms is our first farm that we're kind of elevating up if you care to support them. They're all about breaking the chain. We have to build a decentralized food system, which means each and every one of us has to know how to grow food. And we need to find these small farms that can grow critical crops, critical products for the many. And that means milk, eggs, meat, that sort of stuff. So anyway, Helios Farms is underneath the podcast. And that will be their one. And as we go forward, we're going to highlight others that are trying to do the same thing to help them get out of this control nest network of and get their farms into their own ownership and sovereign. It's really important. All right, patriots. With that said, we've got a great show tonight i'm gonna to start a little differently tonight I had, we had a little pre-discussion before the show that i included about four minutes and then we'll jump right into the show so enjoy here we go
3: so you're the you're the butcher master that's really i cool. do how do you like it
0: oh i love it it is so cathartic i can't even tell you man it is like <laughs> totally... it is
3: are you cutting it up then into pieces when you're after you've oh, yeah. slaughtered?
0: I I, we didn't i don't think we got that many pictures of the actual butchery so it's mean, like this is full scale like how to be a a farm butcher yeah so the story is pretty amazing i had god kind of put on my heart like you need to know how to slaughter i'm like okay yeah. so I'm like all right so i start looking around and i find the one place in the country that offers a regular school i know mark has something but like this like an intensive school and it was in tulsa oklahoma and it was $1,350 oh. and they had a few slots left for next october i'm like all right i like god i'll do this If this is your money you want me to spend this money i'll do this but it'd sure be nice if I didn't have to travel across the country. This is on Tuesday on Thursday. And I always let things sit for after something like that. Just kind of chill a bit. No rush. We'll see if it's going to meant to be Thursday. I go to the mailbox and there's a package in there and I open it up and there's this children's book and there's a letter and lo and behold, they are a farm share group. That's right up the road from me like Yonkala. So I just, called them right away and they're like oh man we are a big listener and they know mark baker and and everybody's all connected here right and so
3: were they offering it to like everybody in your neighborhood is that they were sending out mailers or
0: no no they just sent me a direct they wanted to connect with me because they they want to get involved with bards fest and everything else so Okay. I, um, I said, all right, well, why don't you? They said, why don't, we're butchering a cow. I said, I'm really interested in butchering that. Why don't you come up on Saturday? Because we're going to butcher a cow and it'd be good for you to be there. You can kind of see the farm. So I got there and I was like, the first day of butchering. And I'm like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to train. So she's like, okay. She said, we can do that. We'll shift our butchery schedule to every Saturday. And if you want to do that, and we'll just make sure we're always butchering on Saturday. And if, you, if Saturdays are a day. And so I got a list of all the equipment I needed. So I ordered that. And um, I got up there, and I this is like so. Last week I went up Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday because there was like wow. they. It's, so I'm, it's not going to be like that every week. Well, but it's, wow. it's Scheduled like every Saturday, but last Wednesday they had a cow that died suddenly, a bloat. So they were going to cut it into dog food. But like, why don't you come up and this gives you an experience to actually cut one without having to worry about making mistakes? So I guided through. We did a full cow in a day. That was a lot, let me tell you. And then on uh, Saturday, one of the days we did sheep and there was four sheep. So there were like four people at stations and all everybody butchering their own sheep. And then on Saturday, this last Saturday we did a hog, which happens to be half of my hog, which I didn't, I I was like, Oh, my farm share is already here. So I butchered my own hog. So I did the, and then I butchered the half. And then we went, she, she has been trained by a traditional German butcher so she was trained how to use a cleaver, which not right. everybody wow. is, and how to do European cuts, which is different than the American cut of pork because American cut of pork typically has the big hams, and the Europeans don't do that. They do big chops and mm-hmm. they do steaks. Yeah, and that's what I like. I mean, so I cut that's everything into do. chops and steaks. I mean, they're beautiful chops. And so, um, and what's really cool is that they had, so that was Saturday we 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 slaughtered it, and then on uh, Sunday, she says, "Well, I don't know what you're doing, but we typically don't let pigs rest more than about 12 hours." So I said, "Okay." She said, "Can you come up tomorrow?" I said, "Well, tomorrow is your event. They had a little a farm event that they do up there, which is really cool." And I said, "Well, I wasn't really planning on coming, but yeah, I'll I'll come up and up." She said, "Well, if you come up in the morning, we'll we'll butcher it." Well, then what was really cool is well, I got up there early, and then we really didn't get started till about 11, and I got there about 10, I guess, not that early, but we um and then we we didn't get started till 11 and their event started at about three and my parents decided to come on up. I was happy that, so they got to come up while we were butchering and they just loved it. They just loved watching and hanging out and everybody okay, was hanging really out cool. in the butchery as we were chopping away. So it is, it is completely cool. Well, Patriots, I am really excited today. We have the resistance chicks on Michelle and Leah, which is always a pleasure and such great minds in this fight of, both against the satanic order that seems to think they can rule us and also such a powerful voice in sustainability and living on our own means. They have been doing this for years. If you aren't familiar with the resistance chicks, by the time you get through with this, you will be, and you will want to follow them because they are just two amazing ladies that have just continued to pioneer and fight like crazy to get us back to God's kingdom and get us back into living off the land. So ladies, hello. How are you?
4: Hey, Hey, Scott, Scott. I love coming on your show. It's my favorite podcast. I'm not going to lie. I might be biased, but it really is. I honestly, guys, here's the deal. I don't listen to a lot of shows. We're busy. We're really busy. We research and we watch clips and we dig. But there are very, very few shows that I listen to for pleasure. And uh, Bards FM is one of them. So I so I love coming on your show. It's literally just uh, friends talking about cool stuff.
0: It is. And it's going to be today. So we were just talking about. Slaughtering pigs which is good good wholesome stuff and um, I was just telling you which this channel's kind of heard my story the last few weeks of like going into this butchery program and um, which I'm super excited about I mean it's just it's like a skill that we undervalue about knowing how to eviscerate and then how to butcher an animal and it yeah. just is kind of taken for granted a lot of people that hunt I think kind of assume that it's all the same but it's not as we know because it's it's quite a bit yeah. different so anyway You were just as we were talking about that and we were just about ready to talk about from the point of when you put the pig down and then hoisting that into the slaughter area because it was a tractor. And then I I know that uh, I got the arms raised and Michelle says she was the tractor. Who are you guys go? So (laughs) I'm I'm assuming that you guys um, take your pigs somewhere else to have them slaughtered or do you do them on your property?
4: No, we do them right here on the property. What I meant was and I was I was kind of. So Scott was 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 saying that he's going to have to pass this exam and slaughter the pig, uh, butcher the pig, scald, scald all by himself, all
3: by himself. And And that's his final exam. I
4: know one way of doing it, and that's by hand. Our farm doesn't have any machinery. We had no tractor. We don't have a tractor. And so in order. So I'm like processing like so wait, you have to have a machine to move the pig. If you're going to be doing this by yourself, because we, and I say, I, it's not really, I you've, you've met our camera guy. Who's also our best friend, Matt. Uh, he literally, and this, this is another conversation for another podcast, but this is heavy on Leah and I like on our hearts. We, two of us do not equal one of him physically. No. So when we're moving this pig, what we do is he shoots it and then cuts the neck open, uh, the jugulars. And then we have to take that pig probably, I don't know, 50 feet from our pen to, we could, it would be wise of us to actually walk the pig, but they don't like leash well. Right. So we have to lug this pig from where we killed it to, we just build a fire and we use an old, uh, oil tank cut in half that we scald the pig. And, and so we've got a dunker and like all of these steps when we're doing it, I am strained to the max doing it. Uh, but it would be amazing to have a tractor. So that's where this conversation started. Uh so no, we do it right here on the farm and it's a lot of heavy lifting.
0: Can you I'm just curious because that I mean the big thing is the the hoisting because that's yeah. that's a the pigs are a dead weight. It's a lot of dead weight because it's it's not like just dead lift. It's literally dead <laughs> yeah. weight, right? Right. So First of all, I wanted to touch on something. You said you cut the neck. This is interesting because the way that I'm being trained is you, and, and this is new to me because that's not, I didn't learn, originally learn this way, but the way they do it is they stick the aorta right above the heart. So they come in, in the, in the area, like down from the neck, And then there's a sticking knife that they use and then it's a back and forth motion. So then you cut.
4: I think that's what Kansas, we call him Matt, Kansas Matt. I think that's what Matt does. I don't do that end of it.
0: Okay. No, it's just interesting. I'm pretty
4: sure that's how he does it.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I think that principally like you get to an interesting point because one of the big discussions that I'm involved in constantly with, you know, in my show, but also with Kira and Theo who have the farm up there is how do we build a human driven model of farming? That's not dependent on the tractor, which is a big deal. You're bringing that up. So you really, when you get to a pig, you either have to create a tripod and scalding area next to the pig. Right, which you can do, or you and you still have to move the carcass at some point. Though it it obviously lightens up once you eviscerate. It
4: does get a lot lighter. Lee right. and I can move so, a half of
3: a, so. Once why it's why don't hung, we start? Why don't we tell them what kind we raise? Okay, so we raise a, a a hog called a Cooney Cooney. It's a heritage hog, and they're fun little. I know people might get a little upset. They they we call them dog pigs. They're like pets because they are so fun and they're so friendly. But um, I was talking to Scott about raising um, hogs, and when we were I want to, I want to back up, start at the beginning and then get to the butchering part um, for just our viewers to see what what you can do on one acre. Okay. We do this on one acre and you can do it actually on less than that.
0: So let me just jump in because this is really important. I'm glad you're doing this. So I've kind of divided up and I've been talking this up quite a bit that there's basically three models that we're trying to bring together for food stability. So we have the 80, 180 acre 60, 80, those sorts of farms that are pretty good size. I mean, they're full-fledged farms when you're running them, right? With, yeah. You're going to need, for the most part, you need equipment, or at least you need oxen and a, and some sort of manual.
4: Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: yeah. I, as, and I, I've been listing this kind of by name. So that's kind of like the Mark Baker and the Helios Farms, the, yep. Theo and, and Kira model, right? Yeah. And then there's your model, which is an acre, and I kind of say acre to five acres, because I think that's a yeah. reasonable Yeah, Perfect. Range, it's about right? the same. And then there's what I'm doing, which is the urban homestead, which is literally around a quarter of an acre. So when we're starting to layer these, each of those has their limitations. Each of them has their own unique challenges. But interlocked in a model, we're literally creating a decentralized food system that is impossible to ever.
3: Absolutely. (laughs) No, and starting where you are is so important. We, um. Just, I think our view- your viewers know a little bit about us. We moved in to take care of our grandma and our uncle. We have a little over an acre. Our neighbor has some land. We get to kind of mow the grass for our animals. Um, and, and that's kind of cool. We started by just um, growing food. I, uh, we started by realizing that <clears throat> you need to fence out certain creatures called deer. Uh, you can plant until your, your, your hands bleed. And then the deer will come in. The raccoons come in. Rabbits, I'm not that concerned with. Uh, we started clearing the land. We started uh, by by clearing the land. My uncle, my other uncle gave us an electric chainsaw, like a 14 inch electric chainsaw tiny. and a Maddox. And he said, this is a stump remover. He just handed it to us Said, this is a stump remover. <laughs> OK, so we looked it up. We were city gals. We literally for the first I would say three or four years lugged around that 14 inch electric chainsaw with, with 50 foot to hundred foot extension cords to all of our girlfriends houses who would say, Oh, you know how to use a chainsaw now. And we're like, yeah, I read a book. Okay. This is where we started. I want you guys to know where we started. You can start
4: anywhere. Okay. I would not recommend getting an electric chainsaw. If you're going to buy one, just, just get buy one. a gas
3: one. But that's what we had. That's what was given to us. OK, we, we have since upgraded. All right. Um, but this is also kind of where I want to just jump right in. And something is so on my heart with this whole gender bending craziness. OK, <laughs> God has really put this on my yes. heart. Men, men you uh, are awesome. I love we them need so, you much. so much. Please be men. <laughs> I need you because listen, like Michelle was just saying. Michelle and I, we're Swedish. We got the shoulders. We got the
4: hands. We got- I hit doors when I walk through them. I kid you not. Maybe okay. I'm clumsy, but they stick out. We
3: are stout girls. We uh, are we, strong. And I believe that women can do awesomeness. And I want to encourage every woman to do everything that you can to the extent of your abilities. Right. But when you reach the end of your abilities, men are just getting started. <laughs> And that's just the truth. Okay. (laughs) Real men. And that's what we want to call out the real men. Okay. Because when we started our little homestead, we would be moving these giant logs and we'd have dudes come by. And they would just be like, oh, that's nice. I'm like, you're not helping. <laughs> Where is the chivalry? Okay. Cause, because because I was just was making a post today about modern feminist, mo- modern feminism. And this all ties into the homestead, you guys, because we fix this gender bending nonsense. But if you just put Scott, if you and I go on a homestead together, you are going to be able to do things that I cannot do.
0: Right? Absolutely.
3: Okay. And you're going to flow into what you can do better. And I would flow into what I can do better. And then it balances I would out. love
4: to see Rachel Maddow on a homestead. Dear God. Like you know what I'm saying?
0: Well, she's and gender then bender maybe, to begin with.
4: Well, but she, she is, is, but she would not but be on a homestead. When you real when you if you were to stick all these feminists on a homestead, yeah, they would understand I don't want to do the job of a man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be right. a man. It's,
3: hard. it's hard. Yeah,
0: being a man doesn't mean getting a butch cut. Just so I say
3: exactly. It. No. And, and the, all these women say I grew up in the generation where they say women can do everything a man can do. Put yourself on a homestead, honey. No, you cannot. You buy like a dog. You cannot. You know, um, when we we did everything that we could, we would cut down trees. We literally I don't know if we told her, told this to your viewers or not, but my grandma had a ton of dead trees. And so we learned to take them down. We learned to do the notch cut. And the cut over top, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. Okay, <laughs> sometimes you get the the, the chainsaw cut stuck. And, stuck, and we didn't have a stump grinder. We would we use that Maddox, and we would listen. We were taking care of our grandma and uncle. We had some time in between going to the hospital and everything. Um, so we go out there, and for like hours, maybe five, six hours, maybe a couple of days. We would take a stump out, and we would have dudes. I'm not kidding you. Two men in lawn chairs watching us. Our neighbors. <laughs> our neighbors would stop, watch, cold, and say, "What man. are you doing?" We ended up creating a fort to keep the deer out. We called it With the. Stumps. We called it the uh, death spikes, uh, trying to keep deer out, and we take these giant stumps and put them around the bottom. And then we would take every tree that we took down and like like we put like them in the ground and try to like make a fort. Our neighbors, fort.
4: we guys, we live in suburbia. Yeah. Our neighbors thought we were nuts. The the talk of the town was literally if the girls if we, on you'd, the hear, you'd hear the guys like at the dunk, local Dunkin' Donuts talking to friends of ours going, Well, if that was me, I'd just go rent a machine. I don't know how to operate a machine. I don't have, I don't know how, how to, to go rent so, a machine. So what Leah's getting at with the pig butchering and all of this is that each gender has something unique. So when Matt does the killing, I don't want to do that. I can. I don't want to, but it's physically more demanding, not just that, but even mentally and emotionally too. But so uh, I think that we have to recognize that God has given us unique abilities, unique, uh, gifts and and talents. And we have to
3: hone that in and and embrace it. We did as much as we could on our, by ourselves. I, 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 I am, I am actually impressed by what we learned. I look back (laughs) on it. We planted vineyards. We, um, my, my favorite thing was when I planted, um, potatoes in a hole and I dug the hole too deep and, and the potatoes rotted. I was so disappointed. They rotted, but then we got through the rainy season and I filled it with topsoil and I put some carrots in there. And I tell you what, that rotten potato soil created carrots this big. I've never been able to grow carrots that big again. Cause I don't have the heart to just go rotten potatoes. Um, but you learn things while you grow and while you do things. So Michelle and I, and our mom, okay. We had fires. We had the fire department come because we were burning too smoky. I mean, we've, it's, you know, we've, we've done all kind of crazy things. Um, but we grew, we started by growing one plant, one tree discount trees. We would go to Lowe's. They used to have half price broken bags so we would get good top soil up there and kind of amend our soil. And we learned a lot of that. And in all of our gardening, one of the things that came to the forefront was, and this isn't something that we kind of are uh, we, we get yet in the modern world, you have to have fertilizer. Yeah. So I was going to the store and I was buying 10, 10, 10, or I was buying this or whatever. You've got to have good soil to have good plants. So the first few years of my garden, they went well, but if what the, the vegans and the vegetarians don't understand is you need to have animals to create the fertilizer because you need fertilizer absolutely because if you're taking stuff from the soil you have to put things back into the soil and compost isn't enough and compost isn't well you can you can bring in compost compost is a good i mean you're not gonna on a sustainable farm you're not gonna be able to compost and you specifically won't there's there's other ways there's
0: ways there's a a critical there's a critical piece here though that and this gets to that next layer of being a good farmer gardener right or homesteader it's a it as you said i mean you really need that injective like the manure and the other things your compost is critical so is crop rotation and yes. that's something that if you're not understanding what those plants are doing i started doing a study years ago and i i've not completed it but you can this is old stuff this goes back to like 1800s where farmers would look at their soil and know what to plant by the nature of the soil that would prosper in the first season, and that would change as the soil improved, but also that constant balance. I mean, that was a lot of the core of George Washington Carver's work with peanuts was looking at a rotational crop in between cotton because they were destroying the soil with cotton.
3: Absolutely.
0: So, yeah, crop rotation, I'm agreeing with you. I mean, it's it's a complex system. It's not just It is so
3: complex, and I want to encourage everybody who starts a garden and says— oh, it failed, or I don't have a green thumb. Anybody can grow. It's not about having a green thumb, but at the same time, we are on such a stiff learning curve. Scott and I were talking about this. Um, We need to start growing food now, and we need to learn now. The food system is getting depleted. Uh, It's not, I don't want to panic anybody, but to Uh, spur people on. Yeah. Okay. And, and to, and to spur people on, if you are convinced of something and it's not just a hobby, if you fail, you keep getting back on the horse. If it's a hobby and you say, I've tried to garden, I don't want to do it anymore. I'll just, I'll just get food from somebody else. If you're at the hobby stage, you might not continue on because you're going to have a whole crop that gets decimated. I, we have chickens, our chickens roam and I have, I have our garden is right now fenced out. Our garden is fenced in from the chickens and we had kids over and they play kick kickball and the kickball went into my garden and the fence was open and the fence didn't get shut. And then the chickens got in there and then you cry for a little bit. Cause they, scratched and then you replant. Fresh okay. This thing's happened. And then yeah. that's why this whole relationship with agnostics and atheists, there's not a lot of atheists when you garden when you farm, because you're reliant upon the almighty mm-hmm. to bring you good weather, to bring you wisdom, to, um, to give you rain, you know, to have, to, 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 help you to grow food. That's why there's so many, um, pagan cultures that worship a sun god worship the solstice because they, they recognize every single person is built. It's built in us. There's a higher power at play here.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. you know and
3: so calling on God and when you start to do things like plant a, a grapevine, the Bible literally, Scott, have you seen this? Oh my goodness, that's that makes sense in the Bible. I am the vine. you are the branches. Apart from me, you can't do nothing. Right. Maybe you don't know this. There's a grapevine that grows up. The branches go out, the fruit comes off of those branches, but those branches get trimmed every year. but the 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 vine, is the same and gets bigger and bigger and bigger can go for years and years and years and years. That's Jesus, but he's constantly trimming us. And we are, we're the branches. And apart from him, we don't bear any fruit. Well, we hear it all the time. A lot of people are like, well, this whole like garden thing, the growing food thing,
4: it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to support those that are doing it. Well, honestly, I don't have a lot of respect for people that say that. And if you're one of those people listening, please hear me out on this, but I just, you know, when it comes to the way that God designed us, he literally placed man in a garden and the entire Bible is based around parables, agrarian not, culture, not just because that's how they lived back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because that's how we live <laughs> as humans. And so it, you will never be able to truly understand those parables. You won't understand God. And you'll never be able to understand God unless you're actually doing it. I know people think I'm crazy for saying that, but there's just something about getting back to the garden that God created.
0: No, because we've got, you know, operation, what I've been talking lately, I haven't built it up big yet, but operation sowing seeds, which is right out of the parable, right? And it's the whole principle that until you put your hand in the soil and start dealing with that, with the seeds and the growing, you're not going to appreciate what it is to spiritually sow. And as you do that, so I I've told this story on the show and I'll just repeat it, but I mean, it's just important. It's just like just what I've been doing in the backyard here over the last year and a half, two years, there's a neighbor of ours that is really has a well landscaped property, knows a lot about landscape gardening, She's been watching, and then all of a sudden she's now said, okay, we're tearing out part of our landscape. We're putting in a real garden because I'm so that's inspired what by what you're oh, doing. Oh,
3: that's so great. It's
0: fantastic. And then yesterday, actually, she dropped by. She She's ordering from one of the same seed places I do, which is Territorial Seeds, really good place. Yeah. And she brings over. She's like, I just got some of these. I thought she might like some extra, which just happened to be perfect because I just lost a bunch of squash plants. And she mm-hmm. brings over some other squash seeds. So the process, again, you know, it, gardening in the hobby sense you go to the local grocery store or you go to the hardware store or you go to the nursery and you buy your starters and you put them in the ground and you grow a little thing and then at the end of the year you tear them up and then whatever when we start talking about homesteading that immediately changes because you're looking at full cycle you've got to preserve and you've already hit on one of the big things you have to nurture your soil and getting started is the hardest part because you've got to break that soil up and get it going so it gets life again. That's so much like our hearts because we people yeah. get very hardened in the heart. So when we're talking about breaking soil, and boy, did I break soil when I set these beds up? Because it and I'd like your story is in similar to mine. I mean, I had earth that was hard as concrete. I took <gasps> one of the. Strongest shovels I could buy, and I almost broke it going in. I mean, it was that wow. tough, right? Today, I can take my hand and I can push my hand down 18 inches. That's without, amazing! So awesome, right? And that's that's just so satisfying. You're like, now my plants can grow free, right?
3: So do you yeah. have raised beds?
0: Yes, I do. So no, no, I do. Nat- I do double dug. So it's a similar. I don't, I don't physically raise them. I let the earth raise them. So okay, so the, the the double dug is basically dig down. I haven't been as, next year I'll get a little more regressive on it. I've been using a a digging fork tine, which goes down about 12 to 14 inches. And so there's, that's the only tilling that's done because I'm trying to keep the topsoil kind of in place. And I, I stand on a digging board, so there's no compression and I loosen it all up. And then when I plant, I kneel on the digging board. So there's never any physical compression on the beds. The beds are about 30 inches wide and they rise up naturally about six inches or so just with the earth. Right. So, but yeah, the, that, the tilth so is low. But this year I've added growing bags, which is a whole new expansion of the garden. Yeah, and it's made it nice because there's some there's a slope in the backyard. So rather than having to physically dig and terrace it, uh, working with my dad, he just created some a couple nice walking platforms, basically that were pretty easy put in a keeper board and then just put in some backfill and some, and some bark mulch on top of that. And then the digging bags sit or the growing bags sit on top of that. So I've added the equivalent of an entire two beds by adding digging bag or I say digging, growing bags. No,
2: that's and awesome. It's, it's pretty neat. I,
0: I've got potatoes and I'm going to add sweet potatoes. I've got a bunch of other crops. I'm going to experiment with them this year to see how they grow. Cause this is one of those areas I'm, as I've talked to you about in my model and I want to get into yours in the urban homestead, like what are the, how far can we push this for full sustainability? Mm-hmm. How far can we get? I estimate yeah. that with the fruit trees we have and they're established and the garden, we should be at about a hundred percent of fresh fruits and vegetables by the end of this season, which is a pretty that, big awesome. for, for a urban space, right? Yeah,
3: no, that is, that's what I want people to kind of understand that you have to think outside the box. Um, and I don't want to get too philosophical and, and everything, but we're in a place right now in society where none of us are given the opportunities that we should be given. And we actually should be just as angry as the people were in England when they were living as serfs, because that's basically where we're at right now. I don't know. Maybe your viewers know this. Maybe they know the history of World War II and how pre-World War II uh most uh people, I would say about it was about at least 60% by the turn of the century were living on a sustainable. When I say it's so funny that word sustainable, but living on a farm, producing all of their own food. Um, and then what happens is we get involved in banks, we mortgage property, and the banks steal, I call it steal, all of this land. Now, some people say they shouldn't mortgage, they shouldn't do this. This is a a concerted effort, I believe satanic. To get people off of the, the land, America was, people moved to America because you could make a good living as a farmer, okay? There were, there were openings all over the place for jobs because nobody wanted to work for anybody else because you could own your own land, grow your own crops, and be a very good country gentleman on a farm. That's the dream, Okay. The devil wants to destroy that dream because it's not just the dream. It's the, it's what's in all of us. Now, of course you need your shoemaker, your, your iron workers, your, your craftsmen. Okay. You get that, but everybody should be on some plot of land growing their food. And you can do that even on a quarter of an acre, you okay. know, in England, it's very cool. People have in cottages and they live probably on like a quarter of an acre, but everybody kept a home and get this. They would literally have a dude come by, collect everybody's hog from their little cottage and take them to the woods where they would, uh, forage, forage all, day. all day. And then, then there was a pig herder and they would drop off the pigs at everybody's cottage. Um, uh, keeping a, a, a hog is something that most, most farms and most families did because you just, you, it literally grows meat for you on just scraps that you're not going to eat. And there are little things that we can do that are- Our brains have to know that somebody else did these things first. And we have to go back to what does Scott always talk about guys? The ancient past. It's kind of like opening up this secret scroll. Like what did they do back in, you know, ancient times to survive because we only know the grocery store. Ancient as in like the
4: forties and fifties. I mean, this is, this whole thing is kind of absurd. I would encourage anybody out there if you, if you own land, anything, any, any small you got a blade address. You got, you got a balcony. Well, no, I was, going, I was going to animals. Okay, like, all animals, I think okay. that So rabbits, we don't do rabbits, but I get that there's chicken ordinances and maybe you don't want to break the law around here. We had a chicken ordinance and we had neighbors that kept chickens anyway. Uh, yeah. All right. So On like an eighth that of an chicken acre. ordinance, just chuck it. Unless someone's going to complain about your chickens, you're probably going to be okay. But once you start putting a foot into the animal realm, Everything changes. And I think that, um, I can probably speak for Scott here and since he's been butchering as uh, Scott, I'm going to guess that your whole world has opened up just because of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really a whole different approach and it's, if a person hunts, they know that there's, and this is very, I'm going to, I'm going to say that this is probably very primitive, primal and very male. What I'm about ready to say is that there is a smell of death it's very exhilarating. I don't even know how to place it that way with the animal. Like when you're opening the animal up, right? I mean, there's a certain natural connection that you have with the beast that you're, you're, you're working with. And it's, someone made a comment the other day in chat and it was well said. It's like, you know, it's, it's always a little bit difficult to harvest an animal. And I'm like, okay, that's not for me because it's at all. It's, it's just a, a a thanks, a prayer of thanks for the, for the giving of the animal. And let's get on with it because it's, that's what its purpose is.
3: No, that's exactly. No, Uh, there's something, when you get into the realm of keeping animals, you get a little bit more primal, you get a little bit more, you know, hair on your chest. Well, okay. Perfect example. You know,
4: um, we talk about the founding fathers a lot. John Quincy Adams, wife, Catherine, had how many miscarriages? I don't know, like 16. That's devastating, right? And I'm not trying to belittle the loss of a miscarriage. If you've suffered one, by gosh, that's, I don't, I can't fathom it personally. But what I can tell you is that- It's a I, nutrient I deficiency. Think that, well, you know what I, that's another aside. I'm talking about the emotional okay. side of it. When you butcher animals and you understand the cycle of life, I think the reason why she was able to go through- and back then they did lose children. Children died early a lot. And i we should never do that. And we should never, um, like, and I go back to the pilgrims. We should never kind of say it's not that big of a deal. That's not what I'm getting at. But we are well uh, equipped to handle it when we are part of the cycle of life yes. of being yeah. used to, this is a life that I loved and I cared about. And now here's, it's having served its purpose. But right now, when we lose a loved one or a dog it, or a dog, it wrecks us right? It just completely wrecks us. And we are not designed by God is not that cruel. We are not designed by God to have, to have it just wreck us quite to the degree that it does when we're not used to the cycle of life.
0: We're not supposed to be fragile.
4: Exactly. So I've, I found myself just being a part of it's hard. The first couple of pigs that we, that we killed, I cried. Um, I don't cry anymore. And I love these pigs just as much as I did those first ones. But I get it. I and I also see when you also see piglets, new piglets are born, or we get new chicks, right? You understand there's gonna be new life after this life.
3: It there's, just changes everything about who you are. So moving into that, I think that is something that when, now we can get into like we were talking about with the pigs and everything and the animals. So um to the to the man thing, um, you can most women. Most women can't build a chicken coop. You can, you can, but let's be realistic here. Let's be realistic. The average woman is not going to be able to build a good, decent chicken coop. Now, the average man might not be able to either. And I'm I I know there's going to be some feminists out there who can be like, I can build, I'm a carpenter. Michelle can build, she's a carpenter, she can do a lot of stuff. Okay. And I'm not saying I'm gonna get, you know, get all don't dance around it. Just say what you want to say, Matt built me a chicken coop castle, oh, okay? That's it is really a, it's, cool. it's, it's, we call it the chicken chapel. I could never have done it. If Michelle and I, we did things on the homestead the way we could do it. But then, um, and, and Matt had some skills when he came. So it's not every man is like this, but I do believe every man is designed by, I truly believe that every man is designed by God to be able to build a home, okay? To be able to build out buildings because God's not going to put you on this earth without the innate ability to learn it and learn it quickly and to be able to kill animals and butcher
4: them. Like this is all in men. It's like in your genes. Yeah, well, you I've, I've talked
0: about this on my show. Bring it to life. The, the rattlesnake schoolhouse. It still exists over near Sumatra in, in Montana. It's now on a piece of private property. It was built by my grandfather, my great-grandfather, Kelly Kesterson. Okay. Oh, that's really cool. And it's, what's neat about it, and to your point, I mean, this was kind of, the trades were understood, right? It wasn't excluding people, but he had basically two tool bags and, of course, no power. Just keep that in mind. Everything was hand tools. And if you could show him a picture, he could build it. That was his reputation. So cool. So that whole concept there, which I think is really amazing, I mean, it's, um, you should be able to build. And, and that's a skill that I'm really proud that I was able to take from my father and still have. I mean, I'm not nearly, I'm not active like I was. I used to be, but if you give me something, I'll figure out how to build it. There is a There is an innate part of that in that kind of true blood of men Versus the soy generation of skinny jeans and Absolutely. whatever the heck they are. Gender confused. Cause I, I really don't have any patience for the gender confused stuff as you probably.
4: And <laughs> I'll, I'll let your viewers in on another secret with this gender confusion stuff. You say that when you open up a pig, there's a smell there. I know the smell that you're talking about. It doesn't affect me the way that affects
3: you because you're a dude. Um, because we butcher so many Wait, animals. There's I, Let me jump in on that. Okay. So they actually did a study on this. Oh, it followed. Hunter gatherers down in the Amazon, they took blood samples from them. I know this is high tech. They took blood samples for them and they checked testosterone levels, uh, before and during the hunt, before and during the hunt, these testosterone levels go off the charts, but something happens. It is so cool after the kill is, is done. And the, and the hunting men were going back to the village, going back to their families, They took blood samples and their oxytocin, which is considered more of a female nurturing nurturing hormone, hormone, which is what, um, you need, which which is what comes on females. Um, when they, when they nurse, it's a nurturing hormone, their oxytocin levels went off the charts because what happened was they went from hunter gatherer intense testosterone to this. And oxytocin is a high, it's actually a legitimate high, like better than any drug. Okay. So these men, when you're hunting and gathering, and when you're bringing the hunt back to your family, it is literally the drug that God has designed for men and, you know, for people in general. To make you feel good. Feeling good is is a gift from God. There are hormones in us that he has created so that people
4: will do the right thing. These things right here are why our society is out of balance. So when you present as men, aren't having that, you're supposed to have that intense testosterone and then that nurturing,
3: like it's supposed to work in balance. It's supposed to be part of your life. And you're handing the kill to your family. Yeah. Like, and (laughs) and your chest goes out and you're like, I did it. And it makes you feel good. Okay. No, it's fantastic. I'll so tell you, right,
0: Just like last weekend because I was butchering that half a hog I was butchering was ours, right? So there's, right. and like I said you earlier, it was really cool because my parents were able to come up because there was a bit of a music celebration afterwards, un- unconnected, but all there. And they were able to watch as I was cutting up the hog. There is a fantastic <laughs> so cool. feeling like when you're splitting open the ribs and you're showing those those steaks or those pork chops and the beauty yeah. of the meat, and you're knowing where it's going. Yeah, right? you're knowing that thing when you add to we're gonna that, eat like, it. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be it's in our <laughs> freezer. We're good. You know, so if you don't like meat, don't come to my house. That's the answer.
3: <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. So we, we, so we started to, we started our first animals were chickens So we started keeping chickens and we started with the baby chicks and there is something again. With the male and the female. Men think that baby chicks are cute and whatever, but women think they're really cute <laughs> and it's really happy and they're so precious. Okay. And you kind of bond with them, right? And there's just this innate ebb and flow. So, like for our homestead, just give you an example. Matt is incredibly awesome. He can build anything. If I need something, he'll build it. He built my chicken coop, he built the chicken run. Um, he, and then we went into, this is the, my favorite book is the self sufficient life and how to live it and and he talks about John Seymour talks about what you can do on the small farm and on the big uh, and on the bigger level. What we did is I believe in pastured animals I absolutely do okay absolutely want to do pasture but on our property we've we we do a wood chip method and then we bring in hay and our hogs get plenty of room to run. They can go outside. They can go inside. Can have a big There's old mud pit. So we started, and I did all my research, and we do that. We raise these Coonie Coonies. Um, they're they're very happy. They're very friendly. And we started to breed them. Um, one time we well, one of the pigs we got, one of the gilts we got, we she didn't know she was pregnant. a sow. She we came pregnant. Know. We went out in the winter. It was five degrees, one of the coldest days ever. And and there were piglets. There were three piglets running, three or four piglets running it's around. Only in. two survived. Um, and we were like, wow, I guess we're in the piglet pig breeding business. And those were our first two pigs. And like Michelle was talking about the cycle of life. So when it's important to breed animals, I feel like every person needs to be part of, of a breeding of something, because when you see new life come and like when, when we first bred our pigs, and, and it takes three weeks, three months, three weeks and three days. And when those mom, when those little piglets are born, they look like little puppies and they start to nurse. I'm telling you guys, it's like you go to a different place. It's so good. Like people spend money on watching movies and going to, you know, amusement parks. But when you're watching little piglets be born and they're nursing, and it's just so good for us. And I think that this cycle of life, we're so far removed from it. We're so far removed from our, from our Creator, and when you see it, like Michelle said, when you're when you know you have more piglets coming, it's not it's hard. not hard to say. So now we're we're about five. Six seasons in, yeah,
4: on on the pigs. I would say at least, maybe maybe more than that. And as each season goes, and you butcher pigs and you breed more pigs, it gets so much easier to do. So I just want to encourage you, not Scott. I know you wanted to get into bees here today. Can I finish
3: Under- on the pig butchering because I feel like okay. this is this is where I said all of that to get to this part on the okay. pig butchering. Hit it. So to get for for men and for women to understand something. Uh, We were talking about the farm machinery, so when we first butchered our animal, I don't know if Justin was with us or just Matt. I think Mm -hmm. it was just Matt. So we YouTubed and we had gone out to our Amish friends and our Amish friends, the, the men there, the young men, uh, and another, another Amish man named Scott, um, Scott Richardson, they showed our friend Matt how to butcher. And they, they gave him uh, the tools and when you're as you know and your viewers probably know when you're doing the slice in the middle if you you got to make sure you don't you get don't the, cut the, the bladder big,
2: big, or, the, or gut. the
3: gut it's yeah. really the and they're the watching and, and when they, you give somebody a newbie the chance to cut down the middle everybody's like oh <gasps> oh do it you're do it right buddy or we're gonna you know you're getting out the hose <laughs> and it's gonna smell real bad yeah um and so that first butchering um Matt and all of us, we spent like hours and hours and hours just watching YouTube. And I actually watched the European butcher on the pig. So um, maybe that's why we do it. That maybe way. that's why we do it that way. And our friend, again, with the whole man thing, I can't weld. I don't really have a desire to learn how to weld. Uh, he looked up how to do a, 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 a scalder, So a dunker, because our pigs are very hairy. And, and in order to keep the meat, you really want to scald and scrape. So he literally cut a, a oil barrel in half and, um, we have a big fire pit out back and, and he built reinforcements and he on it. rebuilt and, and didn't, it leaked at the beginning. So he had, we tested it and he had to reweld. I mean, there's a lot of different things that went into building this scalder and then he had to belt a, uh, build a dunker. He literally welded. It looks like a big giant ladder mm-hmm. and it's absolutely perfect and it fits perfectly. And I don't know how he did this, but he did. So when it says Leah Michelle Homestead, uh, there's no way where we are butchering pigs without a dude. It's just not going to happen. Well, okay? I think
0: what's really important here is that everybody's capable of doing just about anything. I mean, that's the first step. What we're really getting at here is that when you start to get into these tasks and and where, Farming or home, I'll just use the term homesteading because I think that covers the, the yeah. range of what we're talking about. When you get into the homesteading model, there is def, there are aspects of, of the labor on that model that are that people migrate to that they're better at, and and there exactly. is a gender split in that. There's no question yeah. about that. When you look at, it's not to say a woman can't be a butcher. I I'm learning from Kira. She is an amazing right. butcher. Okay the there is some aspects and even we've had this exact talk she's like look you're a guy you can haul there's certain things that you just can do better because you're bigger you're built stronger that's it I mean when you're hucking a half a carcass around or a whole carcass around if you haven't done that I mean it makes and I wrestled for years it makes wrestling look easy because you're moving a (laughs) dead weight of a you know 200 if if it's unviscerated, then you're talking four or 500 pounds exactly. of hoist, right? And if you're, and that's just, those get into frame size and stature. Again, soy boys, this is not a program for you. If you're on soy, get off it and start eating protein and maybe you can grow up. But other than that, I mean, it's, this is really, a, this is where we start to see the the true sense of who we are. We are not a weak people. Right, We have been Pushed into this sort of, I say it regularly now. Convenience is the destruction of humanity. So yeah. by giving us the convenience model, where you can go to the store and get your food, you can go to this and get your entertainment, you can go here and get everything you need. All we're being detached farther and farther away from us being self-sufficient. And yeah. as we do that, we get we take their food, we take everything out of our life, and the extent of being a man is I go to the gym and I bulk up and I do, you know, maybe, maybe you do testosterone or whatever. I don't know. Too many do. When you look at Jesus, and I talk about this regularly, he was a carpenter. Now, that isn't the Home Depot going and getting your two by fours. This is hewing whole trees down to shape lumber and building things. And by the way, those trees were acacia and myrtle and others. But those are difficult trees to work with. That wood is dense. And if you haven't worked it, which I have, it is it's massively time consuming. I did a myrtlewood top for a desk for somebody. It took me and I would just did it at night when I was done with my day. It literally took me a week of sanding to get the desk smooth enough to where it, wow. f- it passed muster a week, just on the myrtle wood, And that's going from different grit levels down mm, to where it was polished, right. right? So these woods are hard. You don't just go in and like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, whip out a whittle knife and do it. It's And there's a lot of skill that goes to that in endurance. So we're losing a lot of that. But something I want to touch on before we jump off of the pigs, because it's something you said about. England, and it's really important, especially in the small farm model, If as we start to decentralize, protein's essential on property. There's no way yeah. around that. So like in a small property, like a quarter of an acre, I'm looking more and more at the Pretend the possibility of rabbits because I think it's a better protein for that size especially with the input to maintain them and the, absolutely, manure, absolutely. Right? And yeah. the manure that you get which you can use immediately. In Rabbit
3: the manure is great yeah.
0: Right so and they're easy to maintain if the right cage set up I just saw a really fantastic cage design it was just super easy and and it turns out that oh Kira used to raise cat, or cats um, rabbits her whole life so she's I've got that knowledge resource to pull from and that's, that's another great. piece that we have to be constantly able to pull from each other's resources but as we get to a acre or the five acre model or we get into even half an acre but really acre five acre model and bigger one of the things that we're missing right now is the knowledge of how to butcher it is amazing that gap in my county there are two butchers they're each one runs out of a small town north and one runs into my town okay yeah and if you are running cattle right now and you need your animals butchered. You have to schedule a year out. That is yes, a,
3: it's, it's crazy. It's the same year,
0: right? And then once you butcher, you have to schedule again for your next year. If your yes. animal goes lame, hits, gets hit with bloat, dies suddenly, gets hit with a coyote attack, whatever. That animal, if you don't know how to butcher it, it's gonna you're gonna just throw it into scrap. That's all it's gonna right. become because you can't get a local butcher to come out. These yeah. skills that used to be common. Even for pastors, they used to be common. They're not there now. We have lost yeah. them. So oh, I as know. I talk about getting skills, I mean, I, I'm, I have a lot of skills over my life of handwork and doing work with wood and building things. But that's a gap. So that's why when I said, okay, I'm going to go learn how to butcher I'm fully committed to this. This is like a year program, right? Yeah. And, and when you get through, then that's a skill you can pass on to others and help others. Cause where I was going with this is if you're going to go to small farms and people are like, I'm going to raise a cow, I'm going to raise a pig, I'm going to raise a goat. Okay. That's cool. Do you know how to butcher it? It's one thing yeah. to raise it. And right. I, that's one set of skills. It's yet another set of skills to breed, but how are you going to turn it into food? And that if yeah. you if you're relying on a local butcher or somebody to come in, you might be surprised. And it's worth everybody looking into it because I'm betting you that in your local area, you're not going to find very many. Not in this day.
3: No, it's really hard. And that we we drove 45 minutes for our first two pigs. Um, and that's a whole nother story and getting pigs in a crate to get in there. So there are three steps that I think your your viewers know when you're when you're to get from hoof to freezer and it's slaughter evisceration, which is taking the guts out. And then there's the butcher. And this is where the skill levels overlap between men and women. Um, when it comes to the slaughter, I do believe, and maybe some feminists would get me. I believe that that is a very manly thing to do. Every woman that I know who does homesteading is more than happy to have a man do the slaughter. Now, however, when it comes to evisceration and it comes to butcher, that is both a female and male skill. And often women can out outskill men on this. I absolutely love eviscerating and butchering chickens. I know maybe somebody think that's weird. I find it sat. I, I find a great satisfaction. And so do some of my female friends. We've, we, we raise out 50 meat birds every year, not just us, <clears throat> We have some farmer friends. I have a farmer friend who probably weighs 105 pounds on a good day. She raises out turkeys and chickens and we help her butcher. And I tell you what, all of us are happy to have Matt do the slaughter. And he's sitting there at the chicken cone, blood flying everywhere. And Then we take the chickens, we put them in the chicken scalder, we put them in the chicken plucker, we cut them up, we wrap them up, we put them in the freezer. It's a very it's a good balance, and, and everywhere we go when we've done butchering, the men tend to be the ones who are good at one thing. And when it comes to the scalding and the scraping, women can do that too. We do it, we get our pigs in there, and it's a really cold day. We got our car hearts on, and we're just all wet, and we're scraping, and we're getting down there on the hooves, and we're doing all that stuff. And Michelle and Matt, they will hoist. Here's the thing. We have no machinery. Okay. So our machinery is a, is a, uh, to get it from uh the pen to scaldor is a garden cart. And there have been times when our pigs have been so heavy that we, the three of us cannot seem to lift the pig onto the garden cart. And we have, we want one time, I think we spent an hour and a half trying to get one pig out and we had to end up getting the, um, dolly. the dolly the dolly to get the pig out and we had to roll it on. I mean, it without farm machinery, but if there had been, very, I'll tell you, this, this
4: is, this is honest to God's truth. If there had been if one there had more been, man, well,
3: no, even if we hadn't
4: been there and there had been another man, um, two men would have done better than one man and two girls. I absolutely. kid you not.
3: Like, it's just, it's an amazing thing. So, um, but when it comes to the butchering and the visceration, yeah. Michelle can do that. Michelle viscerates, you get it out. Let's I get like the, Michelle it. loves getting the leaf lard out and, and that's, and that's where we come in. Okay, that's when I love to do. I pull out that leaf lard and it looks like lace, and I it just does, feel like it? I have won a lottery. Like
4: I'm like, so, look at
3: this. <laughs> so this is where it comes to the part of the cook. So uh, we tend to do a little bit more of the cooking, and um, so and you so know what valuable kind of, to me, what kind of cuts you're going to make, uh, what kind of uh, lard we're going to have. So we okay, can make so I jump truss, in here. Biscuits.
0: Yeah, you hit something, man. If you don't know how to cook, get busy. Because I'll tell you what, my favorite book when I was in elementary school, middle school, and high school was *The Joy of Cooking*. I've read that book you're forward kidding. and back. I would I no. cook like crazy. So if you don't know how to cook, you don't know how to prepare your meats. Don't know how to know, know what a good cut is. You're behind the power curve. Get busy. That's like no, the that's most so good. I
4: cannot believe you read that book. That's the Joy so good.
3: And you know what? This is I what my mom book. says. I love it.
4: This
3: is, growing up is in a household of women. This is what my mom would say. Hey, men. You need to know how to do everything, everything, cooking, sewing, building everything. I don't y'all need to know how. And then the help meet, that's why it's called a help meet comes to help you in what you're doing. And that is, that is the beauty of it
4: in the very beginning. Let's go back to Adam. Okay. God knew that Adam was going to need a helper, right? But it was all on you first, right? We're just here to help. Yeah. Well, you know, so
0: this was what was pretty cool about being in Afghanistan. There's many cool things, but this was one cool one. Is I mean, these are all men armies, right? There's no women. There's always somebody in the ranks that knows how to make bread. There's always somebody that knows how to butcher an animal and there's always somebody that knows how to cook rice and meat. That is a never-ending process, and men know how to do it. And that's because they don't have a defined cook unit like the U.S. Army does. Okay. And nothing's prepared because everything comes raw over there, fresh. So, like, they, when you go into a, a fire base, that they, like a little, say, outpost like we are in, they will build a clay oven. They'll do it right there. They cook their bread on a flat, like on a hot surface so they right. build the clay oven so the it's underneath and then they they've cooked the bread it looks more like patties and, and it's a it's a yeah it's a um, flatbread it's a flatbread right and then the meat they get is always going to be fresh so it's either going to be a recent kill or they're going to bring the kill in and finish the slaughter and then the whatever else they get for potatoes and stuff they get on local market and they usually usually stew the meat so it is a process that men understand that they have to be part of in order to survive. You don't get to go to McDonald's. You don't get to go out to eat. You don't get to go to the store and figure out that the only way you're going to cook is just on the barbecue. I mean, it's a lot more to it. And so, you know, if you are, from my point to men, if you, if you're going to be, I think one of the coolest things is when men can cook, understand how to prep, understand, and, and I, I will say this, there's a lot of men that really know how to cook game, which I'm, really impresses me because they're better at yeah. it than me, but field field cook it out of the like field camps for hunting camps, um, but bring it into the house because that's part of what we need to be. So kind of where I was going to lead with this is when you start decentralizing agriculture as we were going, because we've got, you know, the small model, middle, middle model, and bigger model, we're going to integrate that. If we can't, prep the meats the vegetables are one thing but if you can't prep right. the meats you end up with a burden of, of protein on your on your property that's unexploited and it has right. to be part of a process so learning those skills and i would just encourage everybody like if you if you can get with a hunter and go learn how to do game do that uh every animal's got its little tricks to do that you know the way you skin grouse if you know how to skin grouse it's literally like one cut one pull and the whole thing's free the whole car that's okay, cool. amazing Right, and so if you chickens have their thing, turkeys have their thing. Some guys do turkeys, wild turkeys. They just cut the breasts out. Some people keep the whole carcass, so it just kind of depends, right? So, deer have their thing, and and I'm I'm learning a ton on the other side of this because even things I knew about cutting up a deer, there's logic in it that I wasn't taught because of flavor and why you do things. You learn when you're going through formal butchery, right, so it's okay. just again the skill set is men or women know how to know how to deal with your your meats understand yeah. that because it's going to be if we're going to decentralize whether you one wants to believe that the system's coming down which it is just in case people question it is coming down you're not going to be able to go and get your processed beef you'll get right. bu- bug protein i'm sure will be highly plentiful
4: oh Oh, Lord. Have I'm mercy. not doing it. I refuse.
0: I refuse. I mean, they're they're already doing taste tests. They're trying to get this sold. They garden. sell
4: them. at. We have a, a thing called a Jungle Gyms. It's like one. I don't know if that's nationwide or yeah. whatever, but it's, you know, the international stores where they sell just about everything. Yep. And every
3: time we go in there, they've got a big thing right out front with these like candy coated bugs. And I'm yeah. like, so here's the thing about men. I'm going to throw this out there and, and I'm sure your viewers all agree. So it won't offend anybody. If you're the kind of guy who says I like to eat meat but I could never kill it. You have you've any man card that you earn in any other skill. It's you gone. lose We're it revoked all. set it on fire. You lose you lose all man cards. You lose them all. You have the very first thing that a man can do to get a man card is say I can kill an animal, I can provide for my family hunting and gathering. It's the, it's <laughs> the most so final. Awesome. I'm doing that
0: one. If you can't hunt and provide, you lose your man card. See ya. Goodbye. You do.
3: Boom. Gone. Man card. End of story. (laughs) End of story.
4: (laughs) It's not I guess to me, it's not if you can't, you lose your man card. It's It's if if you you won't won't, and you don't want to. And you and you say I I just could never do that.
3: Yeah.
0: Well that that okay, so for all those soy boys out there that might be tuning in, there is hope for you. There is hope. (laughs) That means you as long as you're willing to to hunt and learn how, and that means that according to the experts you can get your man card, but boy, do you have a lot of work. you have a lot of work, work to, do. to do. Patriots, that was gr- the first part of the interview with Resistance Chicks, and it is. Uh, I think you can say we've got a lot to talk about, and there's yet another hour to come tomorrow night. So buckle up. <clears throat> right now, there is literally nothing more important than food and. It's fundamental to everything that we do and everything that we're about. Part of that is we have to make sure that we're supporting the small farms. We have to make sure that we're supporting those initiatives to buy local and buy clean. I can't stress that enough. Buying local and buying clean. When I say clean, that means unvaccinated, unpolluted food that isn't genetically modified it doesn't have petrochemicals built into its system. And with the animals, that means not just clean grain, but non-vaccinated completely through and through. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, that's not an easy thing. In fact, it takes a full cycle. So we're, I'm in the process right now of working with a cattleman to get clean cattle on a piece of property. And he's managed to locate some, but you can't take them to market like you normally could. You cannot take them to... The auction houses, you can't take them to the feed places. I mean, it's, or the big slaughterhouses. You have to have them all vaccinated. So we have to reshift. This is one of the biggest fights we have. And food is central. And our small farmers are central to the success of this nation. We don't have that. They win. And I just, I literally mean that. We don't have small farmers. They win. There's no, I don't know what else you're going to eat. And I, last time I checked, you can't eat your phone. As much as you may want to chew on it, it's not going to fill you up. So, And last thing, men, don't lose your man card. Learn how to slaughter. Learn how to provide for the family. That's pretty much it. Patriots, let's do a quick prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for coming together in this really amazing discussion that we're having and just opening our eyes and ears to all the intricacies and the the fulfillment, the enjoyment, the reality of the production of food and truly sowing seeds. Father, we just pray that so many more will join this awakening to realize that it's not, it is both physically necessary and spiritually necessary to sow seeds in, in this time. We have to reclaim our food. And at the same time, through that process, we know that we can reconnect with you in such an amazing way, in a way that's not even describable until we start to really put our hands in the earth and start to touch the animals which you've provided for us to accomplish the bounty and the fulfillment that you've needed, which, which you've offered always. It's unlimited and, and always giving. So thank you, Father, for all that you give, the blessings you provided for us. Thank you for the wonderful discussion we've had tonight. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Patriots. So tomorrow night, part two, with the resistance chicks and we'll pick up right there at the soy boys and man cards and we'll take it forward. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up right now. We need a lot of prayers for our farmers, a lot of prayers for the rebuilding a resilience in our food system and a lack of dependence on our food from the corporate beasts. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here, in this time, in this place, fearlessly for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then, or until the next time, God bless, and out for now.
1: We shall pay any price, bear any burden,